Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Amen. Come with me in your Bibles. I kind of ran out of time in the uh, in the 9 a.m. service. I want to make sure I get through it this, uh, this time. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. I'm kind of... Didn't have a scripture and Alex almost got up and I thought I might as well use that one. <laughs> Matthew 6.25, Matthew 6.25, Jesus speaking, Therefore I say to you, do not worry. This, this last Wednesday I, I spoke a message to our uh, staff and interns and volunteers saying, don't worry, be happy. And, uh, and so uh, my beautiful uh, Pastor Leanne said to me, you need to preach that but just kind of do a better job this time round for the church on Sunday. So uh, appreciate that, appreciate the challenge. So therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. Now, I want you to notice something there because there's a lot of bad theology. Jesus says, do not worry. He didn't say abdicate responsibility. I can't tell you how many Christians I've met over the years, they think, oh, well, Jesus says, don't worry about it, which I translate to don't think about, don't plan, don't take responsibility for. No, no, Jesus just said, don't worry. Don't worry about. He didn't say don't think about, don't plan. Yeah. Don't don't worry about your life, what you're going to eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Now, how many people know that you need to eat? How many people know that food and clothing, like the better food you eat, the better the clothing fits? <laughs> the two go hand in hand. Jesus is just saying, don't, 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 don't obsess with these things. Don't, don't worry about those things. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap, yet they gather in... You know, or nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? Why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, they, they not, they, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet Solomon, all his splendour was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more Will he clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For after all these things, the word Gentile means without God. For the people without God, that their priority is what they're wearing, what they're eating, what they're driving, where they live. Their pursuit is all the things. Now, right, right here, people may say, Aha, I see where you're going, Jesus. You, you, and, you and the Buddha, you guys are right on. I see where you're going, you enlightened guru. I, I see where you're going here. All, all religions basically teach the same thing. You, you're saying, don't get attached to material things. I, I hear you, Jesus. That's not what he's saying. Because watch. Jesus says, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. He didn't say abdicate responsibility for all these things. But, but seek first the kingdom of God 
and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Tell my message today is yours is the kingdom. Yours is the kingdom. So it's a little bit of a play because we know that uh, King Henry VIII, actually, you'll find in your, your Lord's Prayer, uh, many translations have added after and deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. It's not there in the original. Um, King Henry VIII, when he kind of left the Catholic Church and became the head of the Church of England, decided he had to do something, you know, for his now head of the church kind of deal. And so he took from uh, Chronicles and Samuel, he took from a, a beautiful Psalm of David, a song of David, and he put that stanza and he added it to, to the Lord's Prayer. But it's, it's, it's in the Bible, it's just in the Old Testament, but yours is the kingdom. But it's interesting because when, when the little children were coming to Jesus and the disciples were shooing them away saying, he's, he's a very, very important person. He doesn't have time for you little children. And Jesus, you know, stop, don't rebuke the children. Let them come to me for to such as these belong the kingdom of God. Jesus says, the kingdom does not come with careful observation for the kingdom is within you. Jesus sent the disciples out to preach and He says, when you go and preach, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons and tell people the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is within reach. So I want you to know that yours is the kingdom. Yours is the kingdom, but there's an invitation for you and I to enter the kingdom of God. You and I have an invitation to enter the kingdom of God. Nicodemus who was a leading Pharisee and religious teacher of Israel, came to Jesus at night. He, he couldn't shake and he couldn't buy into the narrative of all the criticism about this carpenter's son. There was something about what Jesus was teaching that was resonating on the inside of him. So he comes to Jesus at night and Jesus cuts to the quick straight away and he says to, to Nicodemus, listen, unless you're born again, you can't even see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus is like, how can a man when he's old go back into his mother's womb and come out a second time? And Jesus said, flesh gives birth to flesh, spirit gives birth to spirit. Unless you are born of water and the spirit, I say to you, unless you are born again, you can neither enter nor see the kingdom of God. The first time you were born, you were born of water. You were born of water. You, you were in, an, uh, in a sack uh, full of amniotic fluid. And when the waters broke, you came forth. But you were born with Adam's sinful nature. When you were born, you were born with a bent away from God. You were born with a sinful nature. No matter how many good deeds you do, the bias in you actually disqualifies you from entering into heaven. Well, what if, I'm, what if I like, you know, build homes for Habitat for Humanity and help little old ladies with their shopping carts? Are you saying that? Now, what I'm saying to you is that heaven is a perfect place and every single one of us, unfortunately, have imperfection bias on the inside. We have a sinful nature that takes us away from God. Therefore, we need saving. To be saved, Jesus says, you gotta be born again. How do I get born again? 
again, I'm glad you asked. Jesus says that flesh gives birth to flesh. You were born of the flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. You were born of water, but now you need to be born of the spirit. When you were born of the Spirit, you were born of a heavenly reality. You were born again of the Spirit of the living God and heaven now awakens on the inside of you and you will find that it's, you have now entered into the Kingdom of God. So I wanna give you three quick thoughts on the Kingdom. The first one I wanna talk to you about is the Spirit of the Kingdom. The Spirit of the Kingdom. The Spirit of the Kingdom is different to the Spirit of this world. One of the things you, you would discover in this house is that we regularly actually take great delight in calling out and contrasting for you the spirit of the world compared to the spirit of the kingdom. Everything in the spirit of the world leads to death. Everything in the spirit of the kingdom leads to everlasting life. We want you to have everlasting life. So that the spirit, the spirit of the kingdom is not just life, but it's also increase. The signature of the, the spirit of the kingdom is increase. After, after, after Christmas, I realised I kind of increased a little too much. I wasn't worrying enough about food and clothing. The food restricted some of the clothing. There was increase. But there was a time, there was a time, because everything in the kingdom teaches us that everything begins in the invisible, moves towards the visible, everything. You were once invisible to the naked eye. A seed that was conceived in your mother's womb. You were invisible for the first moments. But then after a few months, a bump begins to form. And then people can begin to say, hey, something's going on there but you move from the invisible to the visible. Everything in the kingdom moves from invisible to visible. Before I held an iPhone in my hand, visibly, it existed in the invisible resources of the imagination of Steve Jobs. Before I drove my Tesla Model Y, physically, visibly, it existed in the invisible realm in the imagination of Elon Musk. Everything moves from the invisible to the visible. These are basic kingdom things. Everything in the kingdom begins as a seed and ends in a harvest. The Bible introduces God has a garden in Eden, but in the book of Revelation, there is a city, a great city that comes down from heaven. It begins in a garden and it ends in a city. Everything in the kingdom is increased. The Bible says in Isaiah 9 that the increase of Jesus's government shall know no end. Jesus, Jesus never, never, uh, gives us laws or commandments that He doesn't first live. That He doesn't first live. I need you to understand in, in this church, uh, we don't believe that love and law are incongruent. Romans 13.10 says love fulfills the law. Love fulfills the law. It doesn't say that, that the discipline fulfills the law. It doesn't say the striving fills the law. It doesn't say performance. It says love fulfills the law. The reason that love fulfills the law is because it was love that wrote the law. God is love. He is also truth. If you have truth without love, you don't have truth. If you have love without truth, you don't have love. The problem with the woke gospel is it's love that has removed truth. As soon as you remove truth, you no longer have love. If you remove flour from chocolate cake, you no longer have chocolate cake. You just have a chocolate mess. 
Jesus was born in a stable in a little town called Bethlehem. We, we sing the Christmas carol, O little town of Bethlehem. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. When He came to the inn, there was no room for Him in the inn. They, they said, well, you know, you can go out back with the sheep and the goat. You can go out there. And because Mary's like, the baby's coming. So they went out there. Jesus is, is wrapped in swaddling cloths, which is the, the rags they used to clean up the, the, the milk. Wrapped in that and laid in a, in a manger, which is a feeding trough for a crib. It gets worse. He grows up in Nazareth. Nazareth has a reputation where Philip and Andrew are saying, hey, we think we found the Messiah. He comes from Nazareth. And the, the commentary is like, what? Are you serious? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Are you kidding me? That ghetto place? And yet today, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the power. When, when people stub their toe, they don't say Buddha. They don't say Allah. They blaspheme His name because He has the name that is above every other name. Yet He was born in obscurity. He was born in a barn. He was born in a tiny little town, almost a village. He, he grew up on what many would say is the wrong side of the tracks. So I need you to understand that, that right now you are in a conundrum. There, there is a collision between what you've always known in the spirit of this world and now that you're born again, there's a, there's a different operating system on the inside of you. It's the spirit of the kingdom. And the spirit of the kingdom will increase your life if you'll allow it. When we landed here in 2005, it was me, my beautiful, and three little boys in suitcases. We didn't know anybody. We weren't taking over a church. We just knew that God said go and we were just kind of smart enough or dumb enough, whichever way you see it, to obey. To obey. And we found that as, as we stepped out, we, we, we began with a few. And we know that God is, says, if you'll be faithful with a few, whoever will be faithful with what is least will, will give them much. God is always wanting to increase. And so we look today and we, we stand we, we stand in, in awe. We stand humbled by what God has done in 17 years. Humbled even more knowing that He hasn't finished. Yeah. That, that we haven't kind of crossed the line and God's like, well, don't look to me anymore. I've done everything. That, that God is still on the move. That we're in the middle of a move of God. That God is still doing great things. I say all of that to say this, that, that, that you've got to get congruent. You've got to get ready for increase. Have a look at this. There's, there's two, two um, beautiful, in Matthew 13, Jesus goes, teaches parables. The Bible says, without a parable, He did not speak to them. A parable is a story or an illustration or a metaphor or a picture that Jesus uses to, so that your mind can, can capture a heavenly reality. And so He says in, in verse 31 of Matthew 13, Another parable he put forth to them. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. A seed, a mustard seed that, that is, is uh, which a man took so in his field, which is indeed the least. It's the smallest of all the seeds. But when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree. So the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. Verse 33, another parable. He spoke to him, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, like yeast, 
which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal until it was leavened. Leavened is yeast. And if you put yeast into flour, it causes it to rise, causes it to, to rise. Whenever you see bread that is flat bread, it's because it has no yeast, has no leaven in it. So, so Jesus saying, this is what the, he's painting pictures of the kingdom of God. He says, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, tiny, but when it grows, it becomes a tree. The kingdom of God is increased. It's, it's leaven, but it causes everything to rise. Your life in this house, when, because we, we don't have time to teach you doctrines of men or theology of men. I just wanna to preach to you the Word of God. You'll begin to notice, my God, since I came into this house and began to sit under this teaching, I began to discover that everything began to increase. My dreams began to increase. My peace began to increase. My relationships, my friendships, my vision, my understanding. You'll find that there's an enlargement, an enlargement in capacity, an enlargement in generosity, an enlargement in kindness, an enlargement in forgiveness. Small people, can't forgive. Big people forgive. Jesus is hanging on a cross and the Romans are gambling at, he's, he's hanging right there and they're gambling for His clothes. While He's hanging there, He's hanging and they're gambling here. And Jesus says, Father, if I, but thank God is Jesus. Jesus says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Big people forgive. Little people hold all kinds of grudges. Little people are the lights are not twinkling. I know, Art, and thanks for noticing. Spirit of the kingdom is increase. Number two, the conflict of the kingdom. The spirit of the kingdom is increase. For, for, for your life to increase, it's got to butt into something. The Bible teaches us that Satan is the God of this age. The Bible calls it the spirit of this age or the spirit of this world. You will find that as you increase, you come into conflict. So usually the first area of conflict is relatives. Familia. You'll find the first, the first battle that you face is family. I can't, oh, oh you go to that awakened church, you've been so brainwashed. We heard that, that that church, they, 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 they make you give 10%. And you're trying to explain, none of them make us do anything we get to. And they think you've gone mad. They think you've gone crazy. One of the first things that we see in Genesis is that God separates the waters above from the waters beneath. Like, it's water. And the Lord said... Let the waters above be separated from the waters beneath. What's the point? H2O, H2O. But it's interesting because the waters beneath, the, 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 the earth's water, 1% of the earth's water is drinkable. 1%. We on earth, if you drink the seawater, it will destroy your kidneys. You can't drink the water that's, we are dependent on water from heaven. This is a beautiful metaphor because, because the, the Torah, God's law, came down from heaven. See, when Jesus says, seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, a kingdom is different to a republic and a kingdom is different to a democracy. 
in a republic, we have an electoral college where we, you know, we vote for, for what we want. We vote for who we want to represent us. In a democracy, it's the 51% kind of, that's the policy or that's who gets to rule. But in a kingdom, we don't get to vote. There's only one vote in the kingdom and that's the king. And the good thing is, if you don't like, if you don't like it, you don't have to live in it. But I found there is no king as benevolent. There is no king as gracious. There's no king as kind. There's no king as perfect. There's no king as just as the living God. And so how do I know if I'm in the kingdom? Well, Jesus says, when you pray, say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy, thy will be done. So the, the, the level of kingdom in your life is directly congruent with the level of His will in your life. Are you doing your will? Are you doing His will? Lucifer in Isaiah 14, five times it's recorded Lucifer saying, I will exalt myself above the most. I will be God. I will sit in the heights. I will. There are five I wills. And so he wonders why he loses his place because heaven is heaven because there's one will, his will. But Lucifer's not thy will, my will be done. In the Garden of Eden, that's that same spirit. Because how you do anything is how you do everything. Who you are is who you are. That same spirit comes to Adam and says, has God really said? <laughs> how, well, how well do you know him? Oh, 24 hours. Oh, forgot you guys were only created yesterday. <clears throat> I've known him for millennia. Let me tell you, he's holding out on you. He knows you eat from that tree, which he forbade thee not. He knows when you eat off that tree, you'll be just like him. Knowing good and evil. Reach out. So when they reached out, they took. When they took, they were saying, not thy will, my will be done. That's why the second Adam or the last Adam, Jesus came and he's also in a garden, but his garden is called Gethsemane, oil press. Adam was in a garden called Eden, paradise. One in paradise reaches out to a tree and takes what wasn't free. The second Adam is in a garden called Gethsemane, oil press, sweating drops of blood. He looks at a tree in front of him. This tree, unlike the tree in the garden, has no leaves. It has no beauty. It has no foliage. It has no fruit on it. The first Adam took the fruit from that tree. The second Adam has to reach out his hand and give. The second Adam says, Father, if it is possible for this cup to pass by without me drinking, please, nevertheless, not my will, thy will be done. The first Adam took from the tree. The second Adam gave himself to the tree. The definition of fruit is that which hangeth on a tree. The definition of fruit is that which hangeth on a tree. When, when, when Moses went up to the, the top of the mountain, Mount, he's at the back of the desert, Horeb, and he goes up to Horeb, the mountain of God. God calls him up and God gives him the Ten Commandments. Gives him the Ten Commandments, gives him the Torah. 
The Bible says the law came through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus. Moses comes down carrying the Ten Commandments, which literally has become the, the basis of all law in the earth. In fact, it, it, it is the foundation for law, order, peace. If everybody just lived by the Ten Commandments, all our insurance policies would not only go down, they'd pretty much diminish. If nobody stole, if nobody murdered, if nobody committed adultery, if, 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 if we all honoured God, if we didn't live in covetousness and if we didn't lie and bear false witness, the, 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 the peace that we would live in. But, but while, Moses, while Moses was up getting laws from heaven, the people on the earth said, where is this Moses guy? As for this Moses, we don't know what's happened to him. So they come to Aaron and say, hey, Aaron, we want you to set up a brand new government. Let us choose a leader for ourselves. And so Aaron's like, oh, okay, I get to be in government. First thing we're gonna do, tax. Bring all the gold that you got in around your ears. Bring all the gold that you're wearing around your necks. It's gonna cost you your gold. You are wise if you have very little stock in human government. And they, they, they fashion golden calves. They fashion two golden calves. They don't, they don't fashion a golden seraphim or cherubim. They fashion calves. Fashion calves. Why, 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 why a calf? The Bible teaches that you, you become what you worship. You become what you worship. The spirit of this world, the spirit of this world, which is the devil, sees you as cattle. The World Economic Forum sees you as cattle. Bill Gates sees you as cattle and there's too much cattle for the feed, so there's a depopulation agenda. Agenda by 2030, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. What's the alternative? You know, I mean, I'm not sure, but 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 they, they see you as cattle there to produce. There's a there's an elite class that owns the cattle, and then you're the cattle. It's the spirit of this world. The Bible says in in First Corinthians chapter three nineteen, it says that the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. You're gonna find that there's a conflict because if you're born once, you die twice, but if you're born twice, you only die once. There's a wisdom that you, you and I have because we're born again in the kingdom that doesn't make sense in the world. In the world, the woman has to be beautiful to be loved. In the kingdom, the more a woman is loved, the more beautiful she becomes. The kingdom is not the world and the world is not the kingdom. The Bible says in, in 1 Corinthians 1.18, it says that the, 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 the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The, the, the Jews, when they looked at the cross, I was talking to a, to a, a, a Muslim in Indonesia and he was trying to tell me that, you know, Muhammad is so great because look at your Saviour, he's hanging on a cross. Like Muhammad, you know, he, he caught the sword and anybody that wouldn't convert, he slaughtered them, he conquered. It was, you know, convert or die. 
but your Jesus is nailed to a cross in weakness. It's foolishness to those who are perishing. You have no idea that unless somebody died as the sacrificial lamb, we all would have perished. But one man lived a perfect life before God and then died a death he didn't deserve. We owed a debt we couldn't pay. So he paid a debt he didn't owe. He died the death that we deserve so that we can live the life that he deserved. It's foolishness to the things of this world, but to those who are being saved, it's the wisdom of God. You'll find that there is a conflict that takes place. I remember when we were flying from, from New Zealand into to Sydney after seven years, we were there from 91 to 98. As we were coming in, we had a window seat and we could see the beautiful, I mean, it's just a stunning. It's, it's one of the, the great architectural wonders of the world, the, the Sydney Harbour Bridge. It's, it's picturesque. You can see the Harbour Bridge out the window. I could see the Opera House. And as we're coming into land, I was so excited, Botany Bay and beautiful beaches and, and the weather in, in Australia is a, a lot better than what it is in, in New Zealand. And so I was looking forward to longer days and better sunshine and better weather. And, and, uh, but then I, I heard God, and I always know God because it's the most random thought. I heard, it was almost like a lament. And, and the Holy Spirit said to me, Jürgen, when you get to Sydney, don't become like Sydney. And I'm like, what? Like, what? And he said, when you get to Sydney, don't become like Sydney. I thought, that's just the weirdest. And so, you know, we're getting all of our bags off the carousel and meeting family and driving, but it, it kind of kept spinning in my head. When you get to Sydney, don't become like Sydney. And I began to see there they had people who were even born again, but they had misplaced, they'd gotten lost. It's interesting, the children of Israel, they said to Samuel, give us a king so that we can be like the other nations. Give us a king so we can be just like every other nation. And when, when Samuel came to God, God says, why, why are you upset? They haven't rejected you, they've rejected me from being king over them. See, they were never meant to be like the other nations. They were meant to be influential over the other nations. But when they became like the other nations, they ceased to have influence over the other nations. If we become like San Diego, we, we cease to have influence over San Diego. If we become like Sydney, we cease to have influence over Sydney. Can I just tell you that in San Diego, our mission and assignment is to bring the Kingdom of God. There are values in the Kingdom of God. There are things that are congruent. Our job is to bring the Kingdom. In the Kingdom, there is power. God operates in the Kingdom. Jesus, go and preach the Kingdom. Preach this gospel. The good news of the kingdom is at hand. In the kingdom, there is no sickness. There is no disease. In the kingdom of heaven, there is healing. In the kingdom of heaven, there is life. There is power. There is flow. In the kingdom of heaven, chains are broken. In the kingdom of heaven, freedom reigns. In the kingdom of heaven, power of God flows. So we're called to bring the kingdom of heaven. So, so, so I began to realise that, that, that God wanted us to, to find every, anything and everything in, in our cities that we're called because we love our city. We love San Diego. And there are wonderful things in San Diego and America that are congruent with the Kingdom. The honour culture in America is congruent with the Kingdom. But the third part, the third point to finish is what I call the measure of the Kingdom. See, if you said to me, you know what? I hear what you're saying, Pastor, but it doesn't seem to be working in my life. I see this all the time. Well, it's all right for you. In fact, when I was first saved, I was saved maybe six or seven months and, 
And uh, so I started going back to the nightclubs where before, you know, a year earlier, I was kind of getting toasted. And now I'm going back to those nightclubs and we're out the front with tracks and, you know, trying to witness the people and witnessing to drunk people is never easy. They just want to argue or tell you that they love you and we've never met. And, you know, and I remember this one, one, one Saturday or Friday night, I'm, I'm out there witnessing and, and I look up and a young man who became one of my best friends comes staggering out all, you know, kind of blotto. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, ah. And he was like, you know, obviously a little bit shocked because he could see us standing up for Jesus. And he says to me, well, it's all right for you. God does stuff in your life. God does nothing in my life. Because if God did in my life what He does in your life, I'd be just as on fire as you. I remember driving home that night going, come on, God. Like I appreciate all the affection and all the attention, but can I just introduce to you other people? Like it's a little awkward now. Like everybody knows you love me. I, I like I get. No, no, I don't want it to stop. Like don't completely shut off. Like I'm enjoying. But you know, maybe just. And God speaks to me so clearly. He says, He says, Do you know why I can do so much in your life and so little in your friend's life? I said, No, why? He said, because Jürgen, you've given me all of your life and I can move and I can do wonderful things. He says, your friend has given me the tiniest little, little slither of his heart and what I'm doing, he can barely detect. See, Jesus says, give and it'll be given. Press down, shaking together, running over for with the measure you use. In other words, you determine the measure of His kingdom in your life, not God. You determine the measure of His kingdom in your life. The, the, the spirit of this world has, has, has two, two strong disqualifying things. It, it, it will normalize abnormal. Right, right now, the, the, the San Diego Unified School District is wanting to get rid of binary male and female. I mean, what could possibly go wrong? The wisdom of this world, foolishness to God. So it, it, it will try to normalise. When, when we lived in New Zealand, we, uh, God did a series of miracles because I, I realised, I realised there was a kingdom that I had access to that was different to the spirit of the world. Spirit of the world says, well, this is, this is your income and then this is what correlates. But, but God had begun to speak to me and says, I own the cattle on a thousand hills as well as the thousand hills where the cattle graze. Psalm 24 verse one, the earth is the Lord's and its fullness thereof. God, God said, I didn't create the wealth for the wicked. Create them for my sons and daughters. Ask whatsoever things you ask for in prayer, believe. So God took me on this journey. So long story short, we ended up... Uh, building a home. I mean, it was right by the freeway, but it was in a really nice estate. And the problem was that the, the gentleman in our, in our church that I trusted to project manage took off with, with the money. So I had a pregnant wife, Leanne was pregnant with our second son, Ash, and no money and a two thirds finished home. And so I, I would just, I would literally finish my, my job as youth pastor at five get in the car, race down, work through till about two in the morning, go home, get into bed, get up at about 4.30, race back down, work till 
8.45, get in the car, go to work because I, I, had, I had a baby coming and there was so much work that had to be done, but no money. So I had to do it, do it myself. And I remember when, when we, we got in, we, we, we literally got in and uh, we had, I think it was three days after Ash was born where we had no power and no running water. Oh, we had power, but no running water. And uh, incredible stress on, on my beautiful. That's why whatever she wants, she's getting. She's been with me through. I'm telling you, I'm spoiling. And it's good for you because where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. And so what I love about my Leanne is she makes sure that my heart's with her because all my treasure seems to just keep relocating. So I'm like, no wonder I love her so much. It's like, there's my treasure. So long story short, that finish the inside of the house, but uh, when you have construction workers, you know, broken roof tiles, they throw into a pile, you know, cut off with timber, they throw into a pile, uh, drywall, they throw into a pile, you know, steel. So we had, this, we had this big pile, this big pile. I mean, it was massive. It was on the front lawn, like a pile of debris. And, and the estate that we built in we, was kind of like an exclusive estate. And it was an eyesore and I was so embarrassed. And so I would do the, 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 the Bible, I would do the, you know, command that if you say to this mountain, be removed and you do not doubt in your heart. So, so I would literally look at it and say, be removed. And I'm shouting at that and, I'm, and I wouldn't look at it. And I'd be believing all day, no, no doubt, it's gonna, it's gonna be gone. You know, I'm gonna get home and it's like, oh my gosh, you're not gonna be what happened. A tornado going, I'm like, yes, yes, I was believed. But every day I'd come in and there was that, and it was taunting me. It was like, no, like, I wanted to punch it. If it had a face, I would have punched it right in it, but it didn't have a face. It had timber, but no face. So, so this one day I'm reversing out of my driveway to go to work and my next door neighbour, uh, uh, Leanne used to be a front manager at McDonald's and this guy got talking with Leanne and he owned three McDonald's franchises. So he pulls out and he's, you know, black Mercedes and, you know, and I almost ran into him and, you know, my, my car had like a handprint where some, one of the youth girls thought it was really funny. She had chemicals on her hand. She thought it'd be really funny to eat away the paint and put a, her handprint on my car. The CV joint, Broke, so every time you turn right, it went kadink, 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 kadink. And so I almost hit, and I had to toot, and I'm here, well, he had to toot, and I had to kind of apologize. And I felt so, because, you know, and I'm like, ah. Oh. And so, uh, you know, I just pulled over and I said, God, I just gave, I said, God, what's going on? I might have used the, the New Zealand, what the heck, bro? I said, look at this, every day I'm believing it's still there. And as clear as I've heard God speak to me, He says, do you know why that giant mountain is still there? I said, no, I'm waiting for an explanation. Do tell. <laughs> Go ahead. True story. He goes, because it's acceptable to you. I'm like, have you not been listening? <laughs> Every day. And then he, he, he just ignored my, he just began to unravel my heart. And he began to show me all these thoughts at least I've got a home. My home's nicer than the, the pastors in my church who were paid more than me. At least I've got a roof over. And I had all of these things where I had accepted. 
I turned around, came home, walked inside, grabbed Leanne and said, Babe, God just spoke to me that I'm accepting less and, and I had a second best mentality. And I repented of that second best mentality. If you would have said to me, well, how come it's still there? I would have said, man, I, because we don't have the money, 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 we don't have the... As soon as I repented and said, this is no longer acceptable, bam, all of a sudden I saw within a week it was gone. Within a week our, our land, uh, our was landscaped and turfed and looked beautiful. That was always there. I just didn't see it because I had, I was born again, but the great battle was there's another, every one of us are born with an operating system of this world. And can I just tell you, now that you're born again, jettison, get rid of, replace, the operating system of this world, which is death, and begin to get under the operating, seek first the kingdom and His righteousness and all these things will be, the place is added. God has no problem with you having things. He has problem with things having you. God has no problem with you having stu stuff having you. God has no problem with you having wealth. He has a problem with wealth having you. But if you seek first the kingdom of His righteousness, you'll find that, oh my gosh, these are additions because I have vision. I live with mission. I live with purpose. You'll never have to worry. Come on, let's stand to our feet. We're out of time. Come on, give the Lord a, a praise if you receive that today. My question to you today is, have you been born again? Well, I'm a good person. That's awesome. God bless you. We need more good people. But that's not the question. Have you been born again? Well, you know, Pastor, um, you know, I've been coming to this church now for six months. That's fantastic. That's, I mean, it's, it's a great thing to go to church. But going to church doesn't make you a Christian. I used to always hear it said that going to church doesn't make you a Christian, just like going to McDonald's doesn't make you a, a Big Mac. <laughs> Leaving a skateboard in a garage doesn't turn it into a car. You actually have to choose to surrender, to say, Jesus, I give my life to You. So would you just bow your head and close your eyes. If you're here today and you've never surrendered, you're not born again, friend, today is your day. Today is your day. And I love that you're a good person. I love that you come to church. But Jesus said to a religious man, you must be born again. If you've never had that moment where, yes, I surrendered all. Or maybe you're like my friend who surrendered a little. And it's really hard to detect what God is doing because a little. And maybe you're here today and saying, man, I need to go all in. The biggest wins in Vegas are the ones where they go all in. The biggest losses in Vegas. <laughs> Go all in, because I promise you in the Kingdom, the things that you lose, you're glad you got rid of. And the things that you win, you're glad you gain. Go all in. If that's you today, you never surrendered or you know that God is saying, go all in. Would you give me a wave of your hand? I'm gonna see your hand, I'm gonna pray for you. Who are those ones? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you on the side. Thank you up there, thank you. Who else is there? Thank you. Anybody else? Just lift it high so I can see it. Thank you, sweetheart, I see your hand, beautiful. Is there anybody else? I feel like there's one or two more. You're not saying yes to me or the church, you're saying yes to God. And, and as you raise your hand, the Spirit of God, thank you up there, I see that hand. Thank you, I see that hand. 
As you raise your hand, the Bible says, if you draw near to Him, He draws near to you. As you respond to Him, He responds to you. Is there somebody else saying, I need to respond to God. I need to respond to God. I want God to respond to me. Thank you. Thank you. Let's all pray this prayer out loud. Say these words out loud. Say, Heavenly Father, I wanna thank You today. You so love me. You sent Jesus, Your only Son, to die on the cross to forgive my sin. Today I am forgiven because Jesus fulfilled His mission. Lord Jesus, thank You. On the third day, You rose again, conquering death, conquering hell, so that in this life, I can live victorious. I declare today, my greatest days are in front of me. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.